So you have to create content um, organically. You have to create content and kind of distribute that on paid. You have to be consistent. So I've sent my weekly newsletter every single week for over a year now, right? I haven't missed a single Monday because I want to stay top of mind. Hello, and welcome to the Optimized Store Owners Show, a podcast that helps frustrated store owners become optimized store owners. We are your hosts, Aaron and Christian. We want to invite you to join us each week as we share tips, tactics, and strategies from the most inspiring entrepreneurs in the e-commerce industry. This podcast will help you add flexibility, stability, and happiness into your life. Ready? Let's go. Hey, y'all. I hope today is treating you well. Today is an episode that is absolutely packed with value. I'm going to be re-listening to this one over and over again myself. Our guest is Chase Diamond, the go-to guru when it comes to email marketing. I've been following him for a very long time, and his knowledge is just through the roof when it comes to email marketing. In this episode, you're going to learn these three things and more. Number one, how many emails you should be sending to your list every single week. Number two, how to increase your email opt-in rate. This is something that was super mind-boggling for me um, and super helpful for our business. Um, So I know you're going to get a ton of value out of that one. And one automation that I almost guarantee you haven't heard of, I know it was new for us. Uh, This, Like I said, this episode is going to be packed full of value for you. Email marketing is not dead. There is so much money left on the table with email marketing. Use this episode as a guide to help you grow your business to that next level. All right, y'all. I know you're going to love this episode. Let's get into it. All right, guys. Uh, thank you for tuning into another episode. We have Chase here. Chase, thanks so much for jumping on the Optimized Store Owner podcast. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me. Pumped to be here. Awesome. So I want to dive. I, this is your forte here, and there's just a, a lot of things I want to get to on the, in the email marketing side. But tell me a little bit about how you got into it and, and what you're doing email marketing wise for yourself. Because I get your emails, which is what prompted me to reach out because I'm like, these are so good. And I know our clients will love them too. So Maybe give a little insight into how you started and how how are you using email marketing for your own business right now, and then we can go deeper. Yeah, dude, I started with email in a very different form than I use it today a long time ago. So I'm 28 at the age of 13, so about 15 years ago, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And after being sick for about a year, I took it upon myself to raise awareness and fundraising. So I literally like had an address book of friends, phone numbers, like their house lines, and their emails or their parents' emails or their you know AIMs or messengers, right? And I was just sending out emails one by one to them. You know, hey Aaron, hey Christian, you know, I'm doing this walk fundraiser. Do you guys want to join? Hey, I'm throwing this restaurant fundraiser. Do you guys want to join? Hey, here's this new study on Crohn's and colitis. You know, so basically I was using email like a very one-to-one channel just to update friends and family about this disease and kind of some of the stuff that I was facing. And then in college, I was doing a bunch of jobs and internships because I had to pay for my own tuition alongside my parents. And I found kind of email again, you know, again, doing it in a very one-off way, trying to get people to book certain demos or pay for this or that or the other. And at one point, one of the engineers at one of the companies was like, dude, like, what are you doing? You're wasting so much time. Like, why are you sending these emails one-off? Like, I was like, well, what do you mean? Like, you can send these in bulk. You can send these in mass. Like, how does that work? So when I was in college, I learned how to basically do um, cold email automation at scale through one of our developers. He was building tools and technologies and scripts uh, for me. And that kind of carried all throughout college. And then, you know, since I've graduated at every single business I've either worked for, started, been a part of, um, email has been a really large acquisition channel as, lar- as well as a large retention and kind of conversion channel. So cool. And I was going to say, I think you got, uh, not, I don't think you got, let's not use that term. I don't want to say got, I think that 
uh, one of your automations or just emails over time uh, where we had, I downloaded it for one of our ads guys. I was like, hey, this is, this is an amazing set of automations and that maybe somewhere we can go here. So as far as automations uh, and you're thinking about e-commerce brands, which is mainly our audience, what kind of, what kind of automations do you suggest? You know, what do they look like? How do, how do you set up, how do you set them up? What are they, what's all, maybe share all things automation because you kind of touched on that story a little bit earlier and, and what should the brains have in place for this? Yeah, on the e-com email side, there's like three core must-have email automations that every single brand should leverage. And these are the ones they should shove first. Um, one is the welcome series for non-buyers, right? Pretty self-explanatory, just like it sounds. Someone enters their email into a pop-up, some kind of form on your website, and then they get a sequence of emails. So typically, it's like a three or four-part email sequence. You know, hey, welcome to our list. Here's any kind of discount code or offer that you promised in the pop-up. Um, if that's applicable, then going into things like, you know, what's in it for the consumer, right? At the end of the day, is consumers want to know how is this going to benefit them, right? So for example, there's this company called Magic Spoon that makes like a healthier cereal. They say, hey, we only have three grams of net carbs. We're all the cereals that we grew up eating, Captain, you know, Crunch, Frosted Flakes, Fruit Loops, those all have 21 grams of net carbs, right? So we've made a healthier cereal. And then also not only that, the cereal tastes great. And we've also swapped out the junk like you know, wheat, corn, sugar for high, you know, high protein, keto friendly, low carb, uh, you know, cereal, right? So they basically are going into us versus them and comparing their cereal to the others. Then you want to leverage things like social proof, right? Press mentions, celebrity endorsements, retail footprint, UGC, testimonials, you know, so on and so forth. You want to display popular products. And then kind of one of the last emails you want to send is kind of, hey, join our Facebook group. Uh, follow us on Instagram, like like our Facebook page, hit, hit reply to this email with any questions, right? So that's like the welcome series for non-buyers, really all around getting you accustomed to engaging with a brand, making sure that you set the tone of relationship. Then from there, you're going to want to have what's called the abandoned checkout, which is different than the abandoned cart. The abandoned checkout basically is for people that start checkout, but not purchase. These people are furthest down the funnel. They basically go from having heavy consideration. You want to push them into conversion territory. You know, that can happen through the form of just a simple reminder, again, delivering the benefits of your product, any kind of discount codes or offers, if you guys are willing to do that and that's in your margins to do such, right? So really kind of just a last ditch attempt or a last kind of effort or two to remind people of the items that they left behind and try to push them over the edge. And then the last one is the basic post-purchase, right? So customer thank you, typically an email from the community manager or the founder thanking you for your purchase giving you any kind of product information if required, right? So if it's a supplement, if it's CBD, if it's skincare, if it's an expensive product, if your product needs any kind of education, you want to send that out while people are waiting. You're going to want to ask for a review requests once people have had enough time to actually use the product. Um, you know, you want to hit things like upsells, cross-sells, so on and so forth. So those are kind of like the three really standard must-have core email flows for every e-com brand. Real quick question to the abandoned checkout versus abandoned cart how would you know when somebody's at that abandoned checkout? Like, how would you, like, do you have a software that you suggest or like a, a way that you'd know that people have reached abandoned checkout versus like getting to that abandoned cart or maybe yeah. I'm misusing the words correctly? Yeah. Mo most of the time people are using like Shopify and something like a Clavio. And in there, those will just be, you know, behaviors or actions or events that are being tracked. So you just set up the automation based off of trigger or behavior and you set the content up and that will automatically fire, you know, if you have it all synced properly.
for the uh, that's that's so helpful i i'm taking like so many notes here so if you see me i just like wow this is so good um so whenever we're working with brands that they're mostly selling like clothing or, or similar like hats or something like that what kind of mistakes do you think people are making whenever they're sending their emails when it's not an automation but they're just sending emails what's like a mistake that they're making and we we could be making that as well just i'm just curious what you see on your end yeah, I think irrespective of category, like the biggest mistake people make is just batching and blasting their entire list. Um, you know, people think, right, I've paid to acquire all thousand of these people. If I hit all 1000 of these people, irrespective of their recent behavior or engagement, you know, I'm going to get the most opens, clicks, the most revenue. Where in reality, do you want to take like the 800 people of the 1000 that have opened your emails recently, that have clicked your emails recently, that have made purchases from you, that have been on your website, that have done any of those actions that show you, you know, intent or engagement, and you actually get you know, just as good opens, clicks, revenue and conversion. So I think that's like the biggest thing that people get wrong is they think they have to hit every single person on their list. Whereas in reality, you want to focus on the people that are the most engaged. That's going to allow you to have strong deliverability. And having strong deliverability basically means you're going to have longevity of your email channel. And deliverability basically is your ability to hopefully hit the primary folder, the primary inbox. Um, you know, at the very least you're in the promotions and hopefully you're never in the spam folder. What do you suggest as far as that segmentation? What should be, uh, maybe there's like a core set of segments that every business should have, or does it matter depending on their industry? Yeah, to some degrees it matters, but there are definitely some standard ones, right? Like the standard ones are someone that has opened or clicked over the last X number of you know months. So 30, 30 day engage, 60 day engage, 90 day engage, 120 day engage. That's a pretty baseline template kind of that every brand can follow. Um, other segments that most brands can follow are things like VIPs. Um, you know, if you're using something like a Clavio, you can basically leverage their predictive analytics. You can learn more about someone's gender, whether someone's likely male or likely female, or if they're not sure. Um, right. So that's a good one. Geography is another, um, whether someone's on the West coast of the U S versus the East coast, whether someone's in the US or international. Um, so to kind of round those out, it's like an engaged segment based off of days, weeks, or months. Um, it's you know, recent buyers or even VIP buyers. Uh, Gender-based, geography-based, those are kind of some of the staple ones. Whenever you're, whenever you're setting up your emails and you're doing your automations, let's just say for your business, and I, I think this is probably relevant for most, is do you focus on the automation part or the content create, like where do you focus afterwards? Are you constantly adding new automations or are you constantly working on better, creating better emails or is it supposed to be like a mix of both? Like as you get it, like let's say you're established at that point and it's kind of moving forward. Yeah, it's, it's definitely both. Like a lot of the initial focuses on building out the initial, uh, uh, you know, flows and kind of templates and also getting kind of some campaigns out to get some baseline data. But yeah, over time, you know, some of the flows as they're built out, they're less around like building, you know, net new ones. Obviously, that's going to still be important. And it's really more around refining the existing ones that you have live and running a bunch of A-B tests. So on the automation side, to some degree, there's going to be some kind of threshold where you have majority of them set up. You know, it's not going to be something that you can do in a week or in a month. For some brands, it could take three, six, nine, 12 months, depending on the resources available. And then from there, right, you want to be testing subject lines. You want to be testing the content. You want to be testing the offers all these different types of things. Um, and then you do kind of double down on campaigns because campaigns are things that you need to build multiple times per week and for every week of the year, right? 
um, you know, coming up, there are different things like, you know, 4th of July, right? There's different product launches. There's different other holidays. You know, in the past, there were things like Father's Day, Mother's Day, right? There's a bunch of different things, whether they're national holidays, they're made up holidays, right? Like National Dog Day or National Pizza Day. Um, there's always typically something that gives you the, the reason, like a new blog post, uh, a new collection, new social proof, right? So the campaigns are something that you're going to be working on typically day in and day out. And you're going to be sending at least a couple of those per week. You mentioned there something that I think is probably the hardest for us. And, and I think for most brands, which is how do you effectively do the testing with it's a headline, whether it's the content, like how are you effectively like ongoing the testing and is it a, is it a constant thing? Yeah, look, the more data that you have, right, the more subscribers and more traffic, the more tests that you can run because you do need some form of statistical significance. But yeah, I mean, on every single email that we send, there's some kind of test. You know, the low-hanging fruit is a subject line test or a preview text or a from name text. That's like the low-hanging fruit. And at minimum, you should be running at least one of those. You know, the ones that takes a little bit more work is testing like a plain text version versus a beautifully designed email. You know, which one works? You know, other low-hanging fruit is things like testing offers. 10% versus $10 versus free shipping offer, right? There's a bunch of different things. Obviously you want to only test variable A versus variable B. You don't want to mix variables or you won't understand which is going to be the one that actually moves the needle. But yeah, every chance that we get on almost every single email, we are testing something. What are your thoughts on uh, putting RE colon on a subject line email? Uh, what are my thoughts on putting RE on the subject line? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, not normally something I'd roll with. Like, again, like okay. I'm trying to be kind of like mysterious and kind of like interesting without kind of being like super clickbaity. Uh, again, I've tried the re stuff in the past, you know, and some people get pissed, um, but it also <laughs> works. So it's like you have to balance that. I don't do that as much anymore, but I definitely see companies doing that and I'm sure, sure it still works. So I think it goes down to like your brand's philosophy. Like, if you're kind of a witty prankster, jokester of a brand, like for example, maybe Chubby's um, that makes the, sh the shorts and the swimwear, like they probably could do that and their audience and their demo would probably, they probably would vibe with it, right? Whereas with another brand that's a little bit more serious or direct or straightforward, um, you know, people on their on their list probably would be like, you know, what the heck is this, right? So I think it just depends on the, the brand that you're kind of dealing with. So you mentioned something there, the test between plain text and the graphics, and there's probably, it's a little different for each one, but um, which one typically wins overall? If you're talking e-commerce brand, um, does plain, is plain text better or the graphics just in general? Is there an answer, I guess, for that? No, I mean, it really depends. It depends on the type of email that you're sending. Like say, for example, you're launching a new product or a new collection. You know, in most cases, having like a designed email that's a little bit more visual and graphic um, probably is going to do better. But then again, that's not to say that like a simple plain text about some collection or drop that makes people want to click through uh, wouldn't work better, right? And then it also goes back to like the demo. I think demos that are skewing older, um, you know, people that are our parents, grandparents age, right? 50, 60, 70 years older, you know, plain text and having the text size and the font size be really large um, is really good. Whereas designed emails, maybe they have image blockers on or their devices don't support images. Um, whereas like, you know, younger demos want more engaging emails. They want GIFs and cool imagery and this, that, and the other. Um, so it, it just depends. Like it really goes back and forth depending on the specific email that you're sending and also the, the demo that you're hitting. So that's, 
that's a, I mean, an amazing point. And we're, t- we're trying to test that a lot for, you know, for a lot of our clients, what is better for them or what, or how do we make it like, does the design matter a hundred percent or is the text okay? Is it the copy that's better? Uh, but one thing that we do and, it, you know, and I'm always trying to figure out, and we've just kind of said that this is what we did because it's worked, but how often do you think is too much, quote unquote, too much for sending emails? And we're talking like specifically like for like clothing. Let's say we're talking about um, a lot of our clients are like clothing brands or whatever. How often is too many emails to send somebody in a week before um, it's too many emails? Yeah, I think there's two ways to answer this question. I think for one, most of our clients are sending about two to four, maybe three to five campaigns per week. That's kind of typically the norm. But again, I think it also goes back to like, what's the expectation? Do they see on the pop-up that it's going to be a daily email? If so, then they're expecting a daily email, right? In most cases, I think a daily email is probably an overkill. Like, you know, nine out of 10 times, I think a daily email probably doesn't make sense. But again, the, the exception to the rules if in the pop-up, it says, hey, Aaron, enter your email for 10% off. And by the way, you can expect a daily email from us, right? So by someone entering their email, they have the expectation that's daily. So I think if you don't set the expectation, you know, two, three, four times a week probably is like, you know, the average. I think you start with one email per week. Look at the metrics. If it looked good, start with a second email per week. If those look good, you know, set a third email per week. And then go to that place where kind of you have the equilibrium of really strong engagement and revenue and not too much churn. So if you notice you send four emails per week and that there's a big drop off in the open rate, the click through rate and the conversion and there's a big increase in people unsubscribing and marking a spam, then you know the equilibrium for you probably is at 30 email. Hey, so owners, are you ready to grow and scale your online business predictably and profitably? We've created a free 15-minute training that will walk you through the five key areas every online store needs to achieve financial success. You can grab the free training by going to optimizestoreowner.com forward slash ecom dash training or clicking the link below in the podcast description. Again, that is optimizedstoreowner.com forward slash ecom dash training. And you talked a little bit about the the open rate, click through rate, anything like that. And, you know, for you personally, um, what has been some tips or tactics that you've used to increase your open rates? And maybe you can share even like what your highest open rate has been. I'm always so curious of these people who are so good at email and like, you know, I'm happy with like a, a 20% or if like clients get like 24 or 25%, but, um, you know, some people have crazy email open rates or some people have just really good segments. But, um, what would you say is something to help get a better open rate, um, or click through rate or any, anything like that? Are there just any general tips whenever you're sending out those emails? Yeah. Look, it, again, it depends on like what you're sending. Like if, so for, for example, like a campaign email, which is a one-time send to a group of people, that inherently is going to have a lower open rates and engagement than an email automation right, or an email flow that's triggered off an event or behavior. So on the open rate side, the benchmark that you want to aim for is a 20% or more um, on campaigns. On the automation side, right, it's not unsurprising that you're getting 40, 50, 60, 70% open rates on certain emails, right? Like the first welcome email when people first sign up, like that should easily be 50% plus. You know, the customer email that says thank you right after someone buys, that could easily be 60, 70% open rates. So it really just depends, um, you know, how good is your segmentation? Are you hitting the inbox? You know, are you in the promotions? Are you in the spam? You know, each of those folders has some kind of range of what you can expect your open rates can be. Um, you know, what kind of email is it? Is it a flash sale? Is it a blog content piece? Is it a new product launch? 
So every email kind of has slightly different cadence and a slightly different way that you approach it. But at the end of the day, the, the best way to increase your, your opens is to test the from name, the subject lines, and the preview text. Obviously test one of those at a time. And if you if you start mastering those things, you'll start seeing your open rates increase. In terms of click-through, right, once you get people to open, how do you move the needle, right? So it's plain text versus design. It's offer versus no offer or offer versus A versus offer B, 10% versus $10. Um, it's called actions, it's button colors, it's design. Like there, there's so many different variables that go into it. You know, for my personal newsletter, every single Monday that I send, I always share what my open rates were from the week prior. So I think today I shared last week's numbers. So I had like a 42% open rate on my campaign last week. I think I had like a four or 5% click through. I featured a, a client of ours. I think they had like a 44% open rate and a 4.1% click through on their campaign from, from a few days ago. So yeah, it just depends. Like for me personally, I'm hitting, I think like a 90 day engaged segment. I'm hitting about 10 to 12,000 people a week on my personal newsletter and I'm getting, you know, 40% or more of them to uh, open it. That's so impressive. That's a, that's an absolute kudos to you. And I, and I asked that because I am part of your email list and you do share those numbers. And I was like, I know this guy's tracking his stuff and I know that, um, I think that's a part that a lot of people miss, which is, like I said, it's just what really drew me to, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about as far as email and everything out there. And one other thing that you do really well too is, um, I'm sure you've, on Facebook ads, for those who are listening, like he could upload an email list to, to Facebook and target us that way. But I see a lot of your ads too. And I don't know if it's because I went to your site or email or what, but maybe you can give some tips because we run a lot of ads as well uh, of combining the email and advertising. Cause I think it's like a nice mix of a uh, see chase in a lot of places. And it's like this omnipresence at that point. So I think that's kind of a, um, it's a really good place to be in. Yeah. I use, I use a, email, uh, social media, organic social, paid social. Like I'm trying to be everywhere. I'm just trying to stay top of mind, right? So in the business that I'm in as a service provider, it's kind of like being like a real estate agent. Although it's, I think easier to be what we be because people have needs and it's easier to find them. But like with real estate agents, right? Like for someone to you know be your realtor, you have to stay on the top of their mind and they're only going to buy something, right? Like a couple times throughout their lifetime, right? They're going to buy and sell maybe a couple times. So you have to create content um, organically. You have to create content and kind of distribute that on paid. You have to be consistent. So I've sent my weekly newsletter every single week for over a year now, right? I haven't missed a single Monday. And if I ever am late on the, week, the weekly send or if I ever were to miss it, I got to imagine there probably would be dozens of people, if not hundreds of people that reach out and like, hey, did I miss it? What happened, right? But I think there's something around A, creating like a constant sending schedule and a consistent uh, sending schedule. So for me, every Wednesday, or sorry, every Monday, typically between like 11 to 12 o'clock, I send my newsletter. Um, you know, I'm posting content on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, BitCloud, like all these platforms uh, multiple times per day because I want to stay top of mind. I'm creating a podcast because I want to be in people's ears when they're going on a walk or on a run or to the gym or in their car. I'm creating YouTube videos so that way when someone has a 20-minute break um, in their day, they can watch me, right? And then I'm, I'm layering on paid ads so that way no matter where you are, whether you're on someone else's website, you're on Facebook or on Instagram, you, you see me, right? So I'm showing it to existing buyers, existing subscribers, and completely net new people. So I'm willing to spend money to be you know, everywhere. And that's the feedback that I get. So that way, when someone has an email marketing need, they buy my course, they come work with my agency, something good happens. So the agency and what you provide it's not just email marketing does it provide some of like the, the more comprehensive marketing 
Yeah, so I, I in particular have been doing email now for six years. I've been running an e-com email agency for the past three, three and a half years. And about a year ago, we merged with a company that does paid social and content creation. So the only thing that I do and the only thing that I talk about is email. We also have SMS, paid social, and like a studio where we create content. Um, but all I, I know and all I talk about is, is email. Got it. How do you, um, whenever new clients come in, are the goals set towards the open rates or is it the end goal of purchasing your product, et cetera? Yeah, we're, we're an ROI, kind of an ROI focused shop. Like everything we do is focused on driving conversion. Obviously we have to build engagement, build trust and whatnot. Um, but we, we live and die through uh, revenue, right? So say a client comes into us, they're doing $10,000 a month on email revenue. Say they're paying us six, right? We got to make sure that we're doing 20, 30, 40, $50,000 in revenue for them to be profitable on what they spend on us. So yeah, the goal always is say, hey, you're at $10,000 a month in email revenue. How do we get you from 10 to 20? How do we get you from 20 to 40? You know, 40 to 80? How do we get you hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? So I, I'd say we're working with about 70 to 75 uh, brands right now on the email side. All of them do between seven to nine figures. I'd say our smallest brand is probably doing like 20 to 30K a month in email revenue. And our biggest is probably doing like north of a million a month in email revenue. So we have lots of clients that we're doing, you know, tens of thousands of four, hundreds of thousands of four. We're probably doing about eight to $10 million um, a month right now in email revenue for our clients. That's awesome. What, it, it, so a couple of questions from there, because you're talking specifically revenue. And I want to I answer this and then go back to, a, a, I think, the most important part, which is to grow the list. But so say you, you're, you're getting people who start out at 1,000 you know, a thousand people who have uh, joined their list and they're continuously growing it. Do you guys have a number or metric to, for like an e-commerce brand that you like on average say, okay, each person who signs up is worth X amount. Is it, do you have a metric or a formula to try to help calculate that if somebody hasn't been sending emails before, but have built a list and, you know, they sent a once a week newsletter and are start, starting now to ramp that up? Man, the, the revenue per recipient varies so greatly. It, it varies based off of, you know, yeah, the, the list size, how they've acquired them, the average order of the products, right? Like, is it a $10 product? Is it a $50 product? Is it a $500 product, right? Um, you know, how often are these people repurchased? Like, what's their LTV? How often are we sending emails? So, so there's not like a, a formula that I would apply across every brand that we work with, but you can look at things based off like a category. For example, say we're working with brands that sell, I don't know, CBD and say a lot of the CBD products are pretty comparable in price then we can have somewhat of a, a benchmark across the industry that we're looking at based off the clients that we've worked with. Um, but it's, it's kind of hard to like benchmark some of those otherwise, uh, just because there's so many different variables. So that, that brings up the question here. And I think that, you know, most people want to know this regardless if it's e-commerce or not, is like, what is the, I guess the best way, and this may also be the fastest way, but the best way or fastest way to grow an email list. Yeah, I don't think, especially in e-com, there's any substitute for paid traffic. You have to run paid traffic. You know, predominantly it's Facebook and Instagram are the most popular. And other channels like Pinterest, Snapchat, TikTok, uh, AdWords, etc. But I think in e-com, you have to be running paid traffic. Like, you know, it's it's pretty hard to build a list if you don't have some paid traffic going on. And when you say paid traffic, you're thinking driving traffic for ads who happen to go to your website, who get onto a pop-up, or you like drawing them as like a, a lead campaign and just collecting email addresses for something else. 
Uh, both, you know, we sometimes will run lead ads, but a lot of the times it is sending traffic to the homepage to some kind of lander and getting them to submit their email into a pop-up, a fly-out, some kind of embedded form. And I guess from that, I'm just kind of going, I'm trying to think of the, the way clients would ask this next question, which is, if I don't want to give a discount or if I don't want to give something, I mean, you got to give something away or something of value. How can I get somebody to sign up for my email list without giving, hey, first person here, you're now thinking that all I am is like a discount shop and take 15% off. What kind of offers have you guys seen that have worked really well to get um, high opt-in rates, but haven't necessarily like given away everything to, to get them on that list? Yeah, look, the most common, the most popular is some kind of discount or incentive. Outside of that, uh, maybe it's a free shipping offer. Maybe it's a free product with purchase, some kind of enter to win into a giveaway. Those are some of the other things that we are testing when brands are pretty strict about not wanting to do a discount. Got it. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of running into. It's like, okay, first time customer, how come, how much can we give a discount for to just get people? Because most people aren't just going to sign up for anything anymore. Like they're a little bit more guarded with their email address. What, what would you say is, I would say, I mean, like if you're, if you're just starting out with a new brand, let's just say, you know, we, so we all, uh, me, you and Christian have started a company together and I saw in, on the site anyway, uh, yours like, um, you guys at least have a, a, a tab for like a CBD. So let's say we're starting a product-based uh, CBD company for email marketing. How are you starting this email list and how do you get this to, you know, in the next 12 months, how do you turn this into a six-figure business? What's your, what's your roadmap here? Um, again, this is going back to like the, the traffic question of running ads and that. Um, and no, just in, in however you would do it. Maybe it's a, maybe it's the same way. I don't know, but I'm just th I'm throwing it to you. Like you're building a, an e-commerce um, agency, or I mean, you're building a, a CBD company online using email marketing um, and whatever else. But how would you build it to take it to a six-figure company? Yeah, I think CBD is a little bit of like an edge case. So if we'll talk more about like an apparel brand or a supplements brand or any other brand. Perfect. That, that case Let's use apparel that's perfect yeah for apparel again like there, there's no substitute for paid traffic like i think the, the three levers that every brand has to pull is paid social email marketing and cro you know so there's other channels that you could layer in right like in addition to email you could do sms in addition to paid social you could probably do paid search right but yeah there's there's no substitute in my mind for that formula you have to send traffic to a website you have to be able to turn that cold traffic into an email address and then you have to be able to optimize that traffic to make further purchases to enter more emails into your pop-up, so on and so forth, right? So it's like a rinse and repeat. Like I would not complicate it more than that. You know, sure, you could do SEO. Sure, you could do affiliates. Sure, you could do influencers. But at the beginning, I think those are all distractions. I think paid social, optimizing the, the form, the landing page to try to, try to collect 10% of the traffic into emails, leveraging something like email marketing to, to build trust, have additional touch points, convert users, and then CRO, which makes the whole process that much more efficient. So you said something there that I think it's a big note and takeaway. When a, when something pops up, you guys are focusing on trying to hit that ten percent. So if you get a hundred people there, you're trying to get ten people to sign up. Yeah, that's correct. Awesome. Okay, that's a that's a good. I think you know where we've gone to is like some clients were higher, some were lower, but we just never have like a baseline metric of hey. Where should we try to get to? What's the what's the end goal? What's realistic or what's like a you know standard uh, to try to get to? Which you know ten percent is um, 
that's a great, you know, you send thousands of people there, you're collecting hundreds of emails, you know, all the time. And, and then everything that you just mentioned previously starts to really mar- make sense and grow the brand and business. Yep. All right. W- want to leave you with one uh, final thing here, which is, um, it, or is there any other piece of advice that we didn't cover on? I wanted to cover like open rates and automations. Is there anything that we're not asking because you're the expert here and, and we're, we're missing if somebody was coming in from the outside listening in? I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there are, right? Like we, we only did this for 35 minutes and like emails are really, you know, it, it's a, it's a simple thing, but it's not an easy thing, right? Like in theory, it's simple, but it takes time and takes practice, it takes testing. So I'm sure there are things we've missed. I think you asked some great questions. So nothing's really top of mind, but I think this hopefully is like a good starting case for people to be able to take email seriously and hopefully to dive in on some of the flows, campaigns, uh, signup forms, et cetera. Okay, absolutely. And I think that brings up a good point of like, okay, we're going to get feedback from this episode once it launches. And you know, maybe in the next six months, seven months, if you're willing to come back on here and we do like a part two based off of people's feedback and questions and we go maybe a little bit more in depth about something if you're willing to do that. Yeah, sounds great. Awesome. All right. So just to make sure to be courteous of your time, um, I don't want to let us leave here without asking what's the best way to not only get a hold of you, connect with you, but also find out more about your guys' products and how you guys can help them. Uh, if people want to hit me up on Twitter, my handle is ecom chase diamond, no A and diamond. So ecom chase diamond is just D I M O N D. Twitter is probably the best place. Perfect. And then if they want to like purchase your course, they want to check out more about that. What's a good place? Uh, in my Twitter bio, there's a link tree that has like my free newsletter, has my paid newsletter, has the courses. So I uh, hit me up on Twitter, look at my bio and all the links are there. Perfect. Awesome. And we will also put everything inside of the show notes here. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, Chase. This was super valuable for, um, for us and our agency, uh, and everybody who's, I know who's listening here, who's an e-commerce business owner. Um, so hopefully they reach out to you, but I appreciate your time. Awesome guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's a wrap. Before you go, screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram stories at BitBranding and let us know what you thought about this episode. And next, make sure to leave us an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This helps us reach more people and continue to improve the podcast for you. All right, guys, have a great day and we'll talk to you next week.